Well, you have a great theme, and your theme is standing strong in the Lord. And that's a wonderful, wonderful theme. And God does want you to stand strong in him. And in fact, if you're in him, you can stand strong. You know, several years ago when our daughter was in college, uh, she went to school at Bethune-Cookman University uh, down in uh, Daytona Beach, Florida. And uh, we would take her back and forth to college. And that's about 1,400 miles uh, one way. And it's an interesting trip. Uh, the way that we went was through the mountains of West Virginia. Uh, we went through the palm trees, past the palm trees in South Carolina and uh, Georgia and Florida. There was a lot of road construction. There were sometimes detours, sometimes backups. There were times of bright sunshine. There were times of rain showers. There was times of darkness. And there were times of fog. And along the way, there were all kinds of billboards crying out to us, come this way, turn here. There were also outlet malls, and I hit the gas when we went to the, uh, passed by the outlet malls. <laughs> but there were all kinds of hindrances and distractions along the way. And as I compare it to life, life's not much different. Life, my friends, is a long journey. And there are periods of sunshine, there are going to be periods of rainstorms, there are going to be times of distractions, there are going to be mountains to climb along the way, but you must keep your eyes on the prize. You need to be pressing toward the goal. Our goal in driving was to get our daughter to Bethune-Cookman University, but our goal in life is to see the Lord Jesus face to face. We need to stay focused on him. Our goal in driving was to stay focused on the road, but in life's journey, you need to stay focused on him. Now, what should be our mindset on the journey of life if we're going to stay focused on the Lord? If you're going to stay focused on the Lord, you must have what we call a kingdom focus. You've got to have a kingdom focus. It is a focus that comes from the God of the universe. It comes from heaven. And it is an awareness of his presence and a submission to his reign in your life. And it is, as Gene Mim said, it's a kingdom focus because it comes from, it rests in, and it is compared by or compounded by the king. And so today, I want to talk to you about being a kingdom-focused person. A kingdom-focused person. Now, I, I was praying about what I should preach on and uh, all kinds of texts. And you have some great Bible teachers here. You have been blessed with some gifted Bible expositors. And typically, I'll take a passage and um, you know, we'll go through it. We'll dissect it and all of that. Today, I just want to look at one verse. Here's how God impressed upon my heart, and I shared this with the guys yesterday at dinner. Your church, in my opinion, and just an observation, is on the brink of something tremendous, something that you don't even understand what God is going to do here. You're just on the cusp. You're on the brink of some greatness. And, I, and I'll tell you one of the reasons why I know he's doing that 
God is putting together the leadership team here is like a dream team. For those of you who follow basketball, you've got Kobe, you've got LeBron, and you've got D-Wade in their prime. God has blessed you with Pastor Jamal, Minister Bishop, Minister Maceo, and a number of others, but God has blessed you with a tremendous leadership team. You have the cream of the crop. You don't have just the ragamuffin group. He didn't just grab somebody off the scrap heap and say, well, I'll give them to Forrest. God has blessed you, biblically speaking, with a Paul and Barnabas type of leadership group here. Now, God doesn't do that by accident. God only does that when he intends for something great to happen. When he intends for something marvelous to happen. God laying a foundation for what he wants to do in the future. I believe the day is going to come where this room is not going to hold what's going to be here. And you're going to have to build. You're going to need a new fellowship hall because you won't be able to feed all the folks that are going to be here. But God is laying the groundwork. But this is your 143rd anniversary. It's not so much about your leadership today. It's not about your pastors today. It's about you. It's about you. What kind of people do you need to be in order for this dream leadership team to lead you in the right way so this church can turn Louisville upside down? And that's what God wants to do. He wants to turn this city upside down, and he wants to use Forest Baptist Church to do so. So what kind of people do you need to be? You need to be a kingdom-focused people. And that means every single person from the nursery on up needs to be kingdom-focused. If you are, they can lead you the right way. God can use you and bless you in ways that you can't even imagine. God wants to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or think. But it starts with your mindset. If he's going to do that, you've got to have a mind that is kingdom focused. And that's what we want to talk about today. If you would please open your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. A very familiar verse. And this is not an earth-shaking message, very basic, but I just want to make sure that you have the foundations set in your mind for what God wants to do with this church. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, and it says this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness And all these things shall be added to you. Let's pray and let's ask the Lord to bless our time this morning. Father, again, we thank and praise you for how great a God that you are. We thank you, Lord God, for what you're doing at Forest Baptist Church. Father, we thank you for the wonderful concert last night. And I thank you, O God, for the gifted singers and all the talent that is here. I thank you, Father, for the message and music this morning. I thank you, Father, for the liturgical dancers. We thank you, O God, for the worship we've already experienced. And now, Lord God, as we come to your word, I pray that you would speak to our heart. Father, this is not a new scripture. It is something that we're very familiar with. But, oh God, I pray that you will open up our hearts and minds that we might see it in a new way, in a fresh way. Father, I thank God for this church. I thank you, oh God, for the 143 years that they're celebrating. 
But, oh God, I pray that until Jesus comes, this church might continue to be faithful. And, Father, I pray that you will continue to use this church to make a difference, not only in this uh, area, but also throughout this world. Father, I thank you for this leadership team that you've assembled, and I pray, Lord God, that you would use them mightily. But, Father, I pray for this flock, that, oh God, that they will follow the leadership, but, oh God, that they will follow the great shepherd most of all. Father, we just want to thank you in advance for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. My friends, we're in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, and we talk about being kingdom focused. You know, a lot of people in our day, they, they want to be something or they want to be somebody, but they don't even know what they want. Psychologists tell us that most people spend the first half of their lives looking for uh, something that matters, looking for some success. But then they spend the last part of their lives looking for significance. And, and they want to be a part of something that counts, something that matters. And I submit to you that the people of God are not looking or searching for something that matters. If you're a part of God's kingdom, you're a part of something that matters. So it's a matter, it's a matter now of keeping your mind and your heart focused on him. God wants to use your life to make an impact, to make a difference. But he wants to do it from a biblical perspective, not from the perspective of the world. He wants you to use you. He wants to use you to make a difference in people's lives. And you can only do that if your mind is stayed on him, focused on him. In this text, remember, every word of God is important and every phrase is important. There are five things that I want you to notice in this text, and they all start with the letter P, just to help you uh, to kind of put an outline around it. Number one, I want to talk to you about the pursuit of a kingdom-focused person. The pursuit of a kingdom-focused person. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Notice what it says. It says, but seek first the kingdom of God. But seek first the kingdom of God. Those first two words are very important. When you see the word B-U-T, it is a transition word. It's a word of contrast. And what it does here, it goes back to verse 32. Verse 32 says, for after all these things, the Gentiles seek. But your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. Beloved, a kingdom-focused person doesn't seek what the world seeks. He doesn't pursue what the unsaved pursue. And you say, well, what do unsaved people pursue? Verse 31 tells us. Verse 31 says, don't worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? Beloved, people of the world spend a great portion of their lives seeking those things that are temporary, Those things that are passing things. And they spend all their energy, all their time, all their effort trying to get things that are going to rust, bust, or gather dust. And yet they spend all their time trying to get those things. The child of God is told to seek the kingdom of God. Why? Because the kingdom of God is eternal. You're not just focused on the things of the world because those things are passing. That's just for now. 
You and I are to focus on those things that are eternal. Hold your finger here and turn to Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1. And when you have it, say amen. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1 says, If then you were raised with Christ, and a better translation would be since. Since you have been raised with Christ, seek those things which are where? Which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. The Bible is saying since it's a past fact, it's 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 a statement of fact. Since you have been raised with Christ, when you came to know Jesus Christ, then you need to seek those things that are above. Don't seek the things that are down here. Seek the things that are above. You and I need to have our focus on eternal things. And it's interesting, you can go back to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33 now. The word seek is the idea of keep on seeking. It's not a one-time thing. You know, sometimes we say, well, I was seeking the things of God five years ago, but I've moved on. No, the Bible is saying if you were seeking the things of God five years ago, you need to continue seeking the things of God. Because those are the things that matter. Those are the things that are important. You know, I don't know if I'm like most men, but when I look for something, I'll look for it for a little while. And then I say, "Um, honey, I don't see it. I can't find it. And, and I just give up. And she said, oh, is, if you keep looking. And I said, no, I can't find it. And she'll come right over and she'll say, there it is right there. But I gave up on it. There are a lot of people who give up on the things of God. They give up on the kingdom of God. And they say, well, Jesus hasn't come yet. This is too difficult. This is too hard. But God is saying, no, but this is what matters. This is what is important. So if you sought it yesterday and there certain things didn't happen, you keep on seeking the things of God. You keep on seeking the kingdom of God. You don't stop. It is a relentless kind of seeking. The word also seek is what we call is emphatic. It is emphatic. It is the idea of set ourselves to seek or seek with all of your might. This is not a half-hearted deal. If you're going to be the right kind of church member, if you're going to be the member that God can use and if Forrest is going to be the church that God can use, you have to seek with all your might. You've got to give it your all. This can't be a half-hearted thing. This leadership team is too gifted, too blessed to waste time. They want to lead you in the right way. God has blessed you with the best. And so in order for you to be the kind of member they need you to be, you've got to be seeking the kingdom of God with all your might. A.W. Pink, a great writer, says this. He says that the seeking should be done not reluctantly, but heartily. Not sporadically, but constantly, and not carelessly, but diligently. You've got to keep on seeking the things of God. This is a pursuit. You've got to pursue this thing like a gold medal athlete pursues a gold medal. And like he's going toward the finish line, he's giving it his all. You've got to pursue this thing. Sincerely, humbly, passionately. You know, whatever happened to... Passion, but the right kind of passion. 
I'm not talking about passion in the sense of lust or immorality. I'm talking about passion for the things of God. Whatever happened to when God's people say it's God or death for me. All I want to do is serve God. All I want to do is give God my all. That's all I care about. I want to be focused on the things of God. We've got passion about all kinds of things, but the right thing. We've got passion for our football teams. We've got passion for, for athletes, and we've got passion for celebrities, and we've got passion for all this stuff, but we don't have passion for the things of God. And God is saying, that's where I want your passion. I want your passion with my things. But you need to keep on seeking. Young people, you need to seek God with a passion early in your life. Early in your life. You know, I've done a lot of funerals that are in our area. We're in the Detroit area. And Detroit, high crime rate and, and uh, you know, a lot of bad things happen in our area. And I've done a lot of funerals of young people. And they seemed to be passionate about whatever they were doing. But it was a passion in the wrong area for the wrong thing. And next thing I know, they're laying in a casket. And I think to myself, every time I do one of those funerals, if this young person would have had a passion for the things of God, what could God have done in their life? They're 16, 17, 18, sometimes 14, 15, and now they're gone. But what could God have done with their life if they'd have had a passion in the right area? Young people, you need to have a passion for God early in your life. All of us need to have a passion early in the day. We need to be seeking the kingdom of God early in our life, early each day. And when you wake up in the morning, you're saying, God, how can you use me today? How can I make a difference today? How can my life count today? So in the context, the cause of worry is seeking the things of the world. But the cause of contentment is seeking the things of God's kingdom. You want to be contented in your life? You want to have joy in your life, peace in your life? Then you need to be seeking the things of the kingdom of God. So the first thing we notice is the pursuit of a kingdom-focused person. Second thing I want you to notice is the priority of a kingdom-focused person. The priority of a kingdom-focused person. Notice what it says, but seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. There's an expression that says, first things first. And this is to be the Christian's priority of priorities. It's a divine priority. It is the kingdom of God. That needs to be your highest priority in life. You know, all of us have a list of what's important to us, whether uh, it's uh, written out or whether it's in our minds. But if on that list, the kingdom of God is not at the top of your list, your list needs to be revised. See, when you, when you put a list of what's important to you and you said, this is my top priority, if God's kingdom is not right, number one, Nothing else on the list matters. Because if God is not number one, your list is out of order. God has to be number one on your list. He has to be the number one priority. So if I want to ask you a question, what is the priority of your life? What is the priority of your life? What's first? What's first to you? How would you answer this question? 
the most important thing in life to me is blank. The most important thing in life to me is blank. Somebody might fill in the blank with career. Somebody might put in the blank family. Somebody might put in the blank house, car, hobbies, etc. There are a whole bunch of things that we put in the blank that are not bad. And they're not evil, but they should not compete with God and his kingdom. You see, we're, we're caught up in a lot of things that they're not sinful and they're not evil things. But when you put them on a par with God, they become evil because God says, I will take not second place to anybody. I won't take a back seat to anything in your life. In fact, in Exodus chapter 34, the Bible tells us that God is a jealous God and God is so jealous. You know what God says? My name is jealous. That's how jealous he is. You can't be more jealous than that. So God says, I'm not playing second fiddle in your life. I'm not warming the bench for you. I'm not taking second place in your life. It's me as number one or nothing at all. He says, I want to be first in your life. You know, there was an issue of Time magazine uh, that on the cover, it says, does God want you rich? And it had an article inside. And God is not opposed to a person becoming rich. But I'll tell you this. God doesn't want anything for us that will compete with him for our affections. So the answer is that if it's not a priority, if God is not a priority, then he doesn't want you rich. If a person becomes rich as a byproduct, that's fine. But he doesn't want that as a priority. Let me show you when people get their priorities out of whack. It was a 99 degree September day in Texas when a 10 month old baby girl was accidentally locked inside a parked car by her aunt. And in a panic, the mother and the aunt ran around the car hysterical while a neighbor attempted to unlock the car with a clothes hanger. Soon the baby was turning purple and had foam on her mouth. It had become a life or death situation. And then a tow truck driver arrived on the scene. He grabbed a hammer, he smashed the window of the car to set the baby free. Was he proclaimed as a hero? No, the lady was mad because he broke the window. And the man said to himself, what's more important? The baby or the window? See, beloved, here's my point. Most questions of priority are not between something important and something trivial. It's between something important and what's most important. Your family is important. A house is important. A car is important. Your job is important. We're not saying those things are not important. But we are saying that they're not the most important. What the Bible says here is, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and everything else will fall into place. So we need to make sure we have our priorities in line. So when we talk about, uh, first of all, when we talk about these things about a kingdom-focused person, we talk about the pursuit of a kingdom-focused person, the priority of a kingdom-focused person. And the third thing, we talk about the program 
of a kingdom-focused person. Notice what it says, chapter 6 and verse 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. Now, we've said that the kingdom of God is to be pursued. It's our highest priority. But we need to ask the question, what is it? What is the kingdom of God? Well, there is a future aspect of the kingdom of God. In the model prayer in chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 10, we pray, your kingdom come. So we understand that there is a future aspect. The day is coming when Jesus Christ will rule and reign on this earth for a thousand years in a literal kingdom. We understand that. But what we have here is believers ought to seek first the kingdom of God. It is not a reference to the future, but it's a reference to the here and now. The kingdom of God, according to Gene Mims, is the reign of God in today's world. The kingdom is the ultimate reality and sovereign movement of God in the universe. Chuck Swindoll says the kingdom of God is a synonym for God's rule. Those who choose to live in his kingdom choose to live under his authority. The word kingdom does not refer to a geographical territory but it refers to God's dominion or his rule. So understand what he's saying. To seek his kingdom is to seek first his rule, his will, his authority in your life. To seek God's kingdom is to lose ourselves in obedience to the Lord, to win people to that kingdom, to long for the return of the king in all his glory. A kingdom-focused person is one who understands God's program and lives in subjection to the king. Beloved, if you say, ain't nobody telling me what to do, not even God, you're not living as a kingdom-focused person. Because a kingdom-focused person says, not my will, but your will be done. Lord, have your way in my life. You can't be a rebel and say that I'm a kingdom-focused person. You can't be a person that says, well, God, I understand you have your program, but let me tell you about my program. This is what I want to do in my life. No, a kingdom-focused person says, have your way, have your way, God, in my life. Let me give you five facts very quickly about the kingdom. Number one, the kingdom of God is growing and it cannot be stopped. The devil can't stop God's kingdom. God's kingdom is going to grow. His rule, his reign is going to grow. Secondly, the kingdom of God is a present reality. The kingdom of God starts on the inside. All of this is number two. It starts on the inside. Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you. So it begins with what God is doing in your life. Here's a third thing about, a third fact about the kingdom. The kingdom of God is infiltrating the world. It is like yeast in a loaf of bread. You can't see it, but the yeast is at work. It infiltrates things for the Lord. Here's a fourth fact about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God faces hostile spiritual opposition. 
Satan opposes the kingdom of God. Don't think that Satan is happy because Forrest is thriving. Don't think that Satan is happy because you're making already an impact in this world and people know about your church. He's not happy about that. But that doesn't stop the kingdom of God. And the fifth thing, the fifth fact, the kingdom of God is of great value. It's of great value. It's like a person who finds a pearl of great price. It's of great value, this kingdom of God. It's a tremendous, tremendous thing. Nothing that you possess can match the value of the kingdom of God. So I just want to know, if you're going to be a kingdom-focused person, you've got to be on God's program. You've got to be focused on what he wants to do. You know, I like, I like sports. And every good coach has a game plan for his team. He brings a particular philosophy of the game to his particular team. And the players need to learn his scheme. They need to learn his strategy. And sometimes those schemes and strategies are difficult. But it is not up to them to say, well, coach, I think we ought to do it this way. You ought to listen to me. They're not the coach. They just followed the directions and the dictates of the coach. And so for us, just like athletes and players, God has a game plan. God has a philosophy. God has a strategy. We don't go back and tell him, well, God, this is what I think you ought to do. This is the way you ought to run things. No, we don't say that. We say, God, what is it that you would have me to do? How do I fit into your game plan? How do I fit into your strategy? And we line up with him. So when we talk about being a kingdom-focused person, we talk about the pursuit of a kingdom-focused person, the priority, we talk about the program, and here's the fourth thing is the purity, the purity of a kingdom-focused person. You can be well-meaning, but if your life is not clean, God can't use you. God can't use you. Notice what he says in verse 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his what? And his righteousness. There is an aspect of God's righteousness that we cannot seek. He covers us with his righteousness at the moment of salvation. You know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it tells us that he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He covers us with his righteousness when we come to know Jesus Christ. Now, that's called positional righteousness. We have a right standing with God that no one can change, no one can alter. We are right with God. But what he's talking about here is a practical righteousness. It is living a holy life. It is living a life that is pleasing to the Lord is living according to his standard and not our own. See, we, got, we have the standard of what we think is right and wrong, or what we think is holy and what we think is bad. But God says, I want you to be in my word so you know what I think is right. You know what I think is wrong. It's not a matter of, well, I know the Bible says that, but I want to do what I want to do. No, God says, no, you follow what I'm saying according to my word. Notice, turn in, hold your finger here, but turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. And 1 Peter is toward the end of your New Testament. 
First Peter chapter one and verse 15. It says, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Verse 16, because it is written, be holy for I am what? Holy. God says, I want you, and the word holy means to be set apart. God says, I want you to be set apart because I'm set apart. And that means that you can't go everywhere. You can't do everything. It's not a matter of do's and don'ts, but it's a matter of I don't need to do those things to have a good time. You know, as I said, and I share with you our testimony, I met my wife in a nightclub. But that's where I met my wife. It was dark. It was shady. But once God brought me into his light, I don't go back to the nightclub and keep hanging out in the nightclub. God pulled me out of the nightclub. So once he pulls you out, you don't keep going back there and saying, well, that's where I'm going to stay. If Forrest is going to turn this world upside down, the people of Forrest must be a holy people. You can't say, well, I go to Forrest. What are you doing here? When the unsaved people see you at their place, they say, well, I'm here because I know I don't know Jesus. But then they look at you and say, what are you doing here? So if people are at the bar and they're getting their drink on and they turn around in the bar and they see you getting your drink on, they say, wait a minute, that's confusing to them. The hypocrite is not the person. People say, well, I don't want to go to church because there's too many hypocrites. And I tell people, well, we always got room for one more. You know. <laughs> the hypocrite is not the person who loves Jesus and they struggle a little bit. The hypocrite is the person who say they love Jesus, but they keep going out trying to be something else. If you love Jesus, then stay with Jesus. Hold on to Jesus. Be a holy person. He says, be holy because I am holy. A kingdom-focused person is a holy person. They are set apart for God. You know, there's some dishes in our house. Now, I'm the pastor, right? There's some dishes in our house. My wife won't even let me eat out of the dishes. And I'm the pastor. <laughs> that don't hold a lot of water sometimes in the house. But um, she, she says, no, those are for the guests. They are set apart. They're for special occasions. Those are for the guests. And I understand that because she knows I just mess them up and may break them or whatever. And she wants to set to stay together. But they are set apart for a particular reason. And in your house, you have some things that are set apart. You don't just use it for regular functions. It's set apart for special things. God says, I set you apart. My son, my daughter, I set you apart to be special. And I don't want to use you with everything. I don't want you mingling with everything else. I want you to be set apart. A kingdom-focused person is a holy person. They seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I remember reading a story about a person who kind of set up their own standard. There was an armed robber who was arrested in South Dakota. And he had ethics about his thievery. In his wallet, the police found a sheet of paper which was written his code. And he sort of had a robber's rules. This is what he did as a thief. He said, number one, I will not kill anyone unless I have to. Number two, 
I would take cash and food stamps, but no checks. Number three, he says, I will rob only at night. Number four, he says, I will not wear a mask. Number five, he says, I will not rob many marts or 7-Elevens. Number six, he says, if I get chased by the cops on foot, I will get away. But if I'm chased by a vehicle, I will not put the lives of innocent people on the line. Number seven, he said, I will rob only seven months out of the year. And number eight, he said, I will enjoy robbing from the rich to give to the poor. That was his code. That was his standard. But this thief had his own sense of morality, but as we can all see, it was flawed. And when he stood before the court, he was not judged by the standards that he had put on that piece of paper. He was judged by the higher laws of that particular state. And beloved, some of us think that when we stand before the Lord, we're going to be evaluated and judged based upon our standard. God says, no, 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 no. When you stand before me, it's based on my standard. It's not what you had in your mind. It's not what you wrote down. It's what I put down in this book. And so he's saying for us, on a day-to-day basis, we need to be living according to his standard. It needs to be a way of life for us. We are to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. There has to be a purity. And here's the last thing, the promises to a kingdom-focused person. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And notice what it says. All these things shall be added unto you. Beloved, God is not going to hold back from his children. For those who put him first, he will bless you exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or think. Hold your finger again for one last verse. Tom, turn to Psalm 37 and verse 25. Psalm 37 and verse 25. Psalm 37 and verse 25. Notice what he says. He says, I've been young and now I'm old, yet I've not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants, what? Begging bread. God's people won't have to beg. God says, I promise to meet every need. You don't seek after those things. You seek after my kingdom, and I'll take care of those things. It's all a matter of where your focus is. God says, I can bless you exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think. And I don't know about you, but I can think pretty big. But God says, I can go higher than even what you can think. But don't make that your priority. Make me your priority, and I'll take care of all that other stuff. You know, the Greek word for blessed is the word makarios. And makarios was the name of an island off the coast of Greece. And it's an interesting island. The makarios island was known as the blessed island because it was self-contained. The residents didn't need to leave the island in order to get their needs met. The island offered everything they needed. The natural resources of the island were so thick, so rich, so fruitful, so productive, 
that everything they wished in order to help them to enjoy life was built in that island. The inhabitants of the island didn't have to run to another island anytime to get their needs met. Beloved, all the things that you and I get are outside of us. When we talk about houses and cars and jobs and all of those things, God says, all you got to do is stay on my island. Stay on my island. Keep focused on my island. Keep focused on my kingdom. And he says, everything that you need to get your needs met, I'll provide it. It'll be right here. You never have to go outside. Everything that you need to bless your life, God says that he'll do it. And I submit to you as a church, Forest Baptist Church, you don't have to go anywhere to get your needs met or blessings. The blessings will flow. They will come to you. God says if you as a congregation keep your mind stayed on him, if you be a kingdom-focused people, God will provide everything that you need at this church and he will turn this city upside down and people will be amazed at Forest Baptist Church. They already are. We've already heard about you, but God is going to do even more greater things through this ministry as long as you're a kingdom-focused people. But if you get your eyes focused on the things of the world, you get sidetracked, then God can't bless you the way that he wants to bless you. See, understand this. God wants to bless you more than you want to be blessed. Do you understand that? You say, no, I really want to be blessed, but God really, really wants to bless you. And he wants to bless you more than you want to be blessed. Why? Because when Forrest looks good, God looks good. He doesn't bless you just so you can brag about, hey, look at us, look at our church. No, 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 it's not about that. No, he wants to bless you because you, you can say, hey, look at our God. And so when Forrest is a blessed ministry and a great ministry and a mega ministry, then God says, ah, that's what I like because they're putting me on display. God wants to be put on display. You know, companies sometimes have staff audits and a staff audit is, to, is designed to analyze who is where and whether they are producing at the level that they should be producing for the position that they uh, occupy. And the point is to make sure that the right people are in the right place, doing the right things in the right way. And one of the questions on the floor doing an audit is, does each staff member's job and productivity contribute to the goals of the company? And I submit to you, this is the same question that God wants answered. How does the life of every Christian contribute to his kingdom? That's all he wants. How does the life of every member of Forest Baptist Church contribute to his kingdom? That's what he wants. So if there's someone here who is not contributing to the kingdom then you're not doing what God would have you to do, and you need to get with the program. You need to get with God's program. You need to make some adjustments in your life. You need to revise the things that you're doing. You know, the world says, I got my mind on my money and my money on my mind. 
You ain't know I know stuff like that. But here's what the Christian says. I got my mind on the master and the master on my mind. Forrest, you are a great church, a wonderful church, but God is just beginning to lay the groundwork for what he wants to do in this ministry. When I come back years from now and when I talk to Minister Bishop and Pastor Jamal, I want to continue to hear great reports from what God is going to do through this church. He's going to use this church to turn Louisville upside down. He's going to use this church to turn the world upside down. You have the cream of the crop. You've got the dream team leadership-wise. And God's going to continue to add to that leadership team. He's going to continue to add to this flock. But when they come, they need to know that if they're going to stay here and they're going to be a part of this church, they need to be a kingdom-focused person because that's what they're going to meet when they come to this ministry. Be a kingdom-focused people and watch what God is going to do through this ministry. God bless you. Amen. A kingdom-focused person. At this time, we would like you to think about 